the story of Zacchaeus that Matthew read for us uh, a few moments ago, and it's a story that uh, many of us will know, many of us will have known since we were children, in fact, because it's one of the most familiar stories in the whole of the Bible. And I'm sure that, like me, many of you will have grown up uh, through Sunday school and you will have sang that familiar song about Zacchaeus that, sadly, once you get it into your head, it's really hard to get it out of your head again. I am not going to sing it this morning because I want Nigel to have a congregation to come back to. Uh, But the words of it are familiar words that you will remember. Zacchaeus was a very little man, and a very little man was he. He climbed up into a sycamore tree for the Savior he wanted to see. And the story of Zacchaeus is a story that, because it's so simple, it's a story that many children can easily relate to. It's a story, on the surface at least, about being small in stature, small in height, feeling ignored by the world, not being part of a large group of people, not being able to see over the uh, heads of the people in the crowd, and so going in this kind of adventure where you climb up the tree in order to get a better view and to get closer to hear and to see Jesus who had come to town that day. And yet, at the heart of this story is actually a very profound message. Too often, it's assumed that that message has to do with money, and partly the message of the story of Zacchaeus is to do with the role of money in life. Zacchaeus is a tax collector who gives away lots of money once he meets Jesus. But I think that's only part of what's going on here. Because the story also paints a picture of someone who is drifting along in life. Someone who's doing really well for himself in so many ways. And yet, this is someone who knows that there's something missing in his life. And what's missing in the life of Zacchaeus is meaning. Zacchaeus is living a meaningless life. Those of you who follow the Bible in One Year uh, series through the app or online will know that yesterday's commentary was all about this very theme. Nicky Gumbel, in introducing yesterday's uh, readings, told the story of Robbie Williams, who once uh, went on a shopping spree in Los Angeles. He bought seven cars, a new Ferrari, a brand new Porsche, a brand new Mercedes, and within a week, he'd wished that he hadn't bought any of them because none of them filled that longing that was in his heart. This is the same Robbie Williams, of course, and again, I'm not going to sing it, don't worry, who in his song, Feel, sings, I just want to feel real love. There's a hole in my soul. You can see it in my face. It's a real big place. There's a hole in my soul. There's something missing at the very core of life. It's a little bit like the story of Ecclesiastes, where Solomon talks about all of the things in life to which he turned in order to try and find meaning. He turned to the pursuit of knowledge, but he didn't find meaning there. He turned to pleasure, but he didn't find meaning there. He turned to wealth, but he didn't find meaning there. And so in the last chapter of Ecclesiastes, he cries out, meaningless, meaningless. Everything is meaningless. 
I think we've all been there at various times in our life, in that place where we're searching for meaning, where on the surface we know that we've nothing to complain about, where in so many ways we feel that we are well off, and yet, and yet, there's something that's missing. How many of us here today in the course of our lives have chased things like money or success or good grades at school or promotion at work or getting in with a popular, the popular crowd, getting in with a group of people who may be influential for us and help us to get places, and still there was something missing. Still we were disillusioned. How many of us here today have been in that place where deep down we've wondered what our purpose on this earth was, what we were put here for, and what it was that we were supposed to do in life in order to make a difference. The successful American TV tycoon Bob uh, Buford, he was asking precisely these questions of himself at a really pivotal moment in his life. He was working in the TV industry in America, an industry full of money, glitz, celebrity, glamour, connections. He had all of that, and yet there was something missing. And he wrote a book about this, and the book is called Half Time. And in that book called Half Time, Bob Woofer declared that what he wanted more than anything in life was to shift from success to significance. And I think Zacchaeus finds himself in exactly the same situation as we read his story this morning. So what do we learn about Zacchaeus in this passage? First thing we learn is that he was a tax collector. So he doesn't get off to a great start, uh, per Zacchaeus. It's not going well for him at all. Nobody likes, nobody did like a tax collector, especially in those days. But paying our taxes is important. I think it's significant that Zacchaeus is a tax collector. In Mark 12, 17, Jesus famously says, give back to Caesar what is Caesar's and to God what is God's. So there we have it. Any tax collectors in the room? You've got the approval of Jesus. You don't need to worry. Phew, it's okay to be a tax collector. But still, it wouldn't have been popular in those days to be a tax collector. And to make things even worse, he wasn't just any old tax collector, he was a chief tax collector. And given the very unfair way that in which taxes were levied uh, at that time, I think we can assume that Zacchaeus would have been hated by many in society, and certainly he would have been shunned by many in his community. But the other important thing about Zacchaeus being a chief tax collector is this. If he was a chief tax collector, he was clearly someone who was very ambitious. This is someone who had climbed through the rungs of the ladder at work. This is someone who had made it to the top of his profession. He would have had people working under him. He would have been promoted many times, and he could look back with satisfaction on all the professional achievements that he had managed to have in his working life. This is someone who made it to the top. He was in charge now. 
He was the one responsible for collecting all these taxes from his own people and giving it to the Romans. So Zacchaeus was at the very top of his game. And in verse 2, we read that he had the wealth to prove it. We can also assume that he had a family. We read in verse 9 of his house. Some translations of the Bible render this as home or family home. And given his wealth, I think it's safe to assume that this was a very nice home indeed. So Zacchaeus had a nice house. He had lots of money. He had a stellar career. He had a family around him. What's not to like? Surely this guy had it all. But there was something missing. There was something missing from his life. And Zacchaeus knew there was something missing in his life because he was longing for something more. And here's how we know that. One day Zacchaeus heard that Jesus was entering Jericho and passing through town. Zacchaeus would have known all about Jesus. He would have heard about all the stories of crowds who'd gathered to hear his teachings. He would have heard the stories about miracles and healings. He would have known the stories that this was the Messiah. And here's where things begin to shift a little bit in Zacchaeus's life. You see, Zacchaeus wasn't just mildly curious to go along and to see and to hear Jesus that day. He didn't just think, I might as well go along and see what happens. I'm just going to go along into town this day to kill an hour or two to get out of the boring tax office where I work. There was something more going on in his life at this time. And we know that because in verse 3 we're told explicitly that Zacchaeus wanted to see Jesus. He wanted to see Jesus. This is not just some passive desire on his part. This is not just some casual desire to kill a bit of time, to see what all the fuss was about. This was an active desire in Zacchaeus's heart to see and to hear for himself Jesus's life-giving message. So Zacchaeus had this chance to see Jesus And he was absolutely determined not to let that chance pass him by. So he didn't just wander aimlessly into town. What he did, we're told in verse 3, is that he ran into town. And because he was short in height and he wouldn't be able to get near Jesus, he climbed a sycamore tree so that he could get close to see who Jesus was, and so that he could hear his words. Can you imagine the spectacle of this, if you were there at that time? Can you picture the scene? A senior civil servant. Again, I'm looking around the room. (laughs) A senior civil servant running into town and climbing a tree to try and see and hear the words of this person who had come into town. There's clearly something significant going on in Zacchaeus's life to make him behave in this way. What was going on in his life? It all seemed frantic. It all seemed 
desperate in some ways, but certainly it was urgent on Zacchaeus's part. And as I've been reading this story over the last few days and thinking about it over and over, the question that kept coming back to me was this. What prompted this strange behavior on Zacchaeus's part? What prompted him to act in this way? And what prompted this desire in his heart? And here's another question that came to me the other day as I was thinking about this. What meant that Zacchaeus was in exactly the right place at exactly the right time to hear Jesus' words to him? A good friend of mine likes to remind me on occasions when we get together and when we talk about how God works out his purpose in our lives, that we are not a people who believe in coincidences. In other words, we can say that it was the Holy Spirit who made sure that Zacchaeus was exactly where he needed to be that day in order to hear the life-giving, the life-transforming message of Jesus Have you ever been in a position like that? Have you ever been in a position where God placed you exactly where you were meant to be? It could be that you found yourself in a situation with a friend, with someone in church, having a conversation, and someone happened to say something to you that spoke right into your heart because it spoke to something that was going on in your life at that time, and you just felt that the words were God's words himself. Or maybe you read something. Maybe you just happened to pick up a book and read something in it, and the thing that you read in that book that day was something that addressed head-on something that was going on in your life at that time. Or maybe it was a situation where you suddenly realized or where you realized only several years later, looking back on it, that God had brought you into a position where he could use you in his plan, either for your life or for someone else's life. Have you ever felt that nudge, that sense of the Holy Spirit prompting you to say something to someone, and then you have the courage to say it? and you witness a moment of transformation in their lives as heaven touches down? Have you ever been in someone's company and you just knew that God had put you there at that very moment, at that very time, to offer a word of encouragement to that person, to pray for that person, and then something remarkable happens? These things are never coincidences. They are never accidents. God puts us exactly where we are meant to be, just as he did with Zacchaeus that day. So why then did he put Zacchaeus in that particular position at that particular time? And what was Zacchaeus looking for in his life? What was this missing element in his life? Interestingly, the story does not say that Zacchaeus, this short man, was looking to be taller. It does not say that this man, this tax collector, was looking for a new career. 
It does not tell us that this man with a family was looking for a bit of peace and quiet. It does not tell us that he wanted this man with all this money was feeling troubled by it and didn't know what to do with it. It doesn't address any of those things about Zacchaeus' life. What Luke's gospel tells us is that Zacchaeus was looking for Jesus. Remember the words? He wanted to see who Jesus was. And I think that's why we identify with this story. Not because of childhood memories of climbing trees or struggling to see over people or anything like that, but it's because Zacchaeus was looking to see who Jesus was. And that's significant, and that speaks to all of us, because there is a God-shaped emptiness in every single human heart. In Psalm 42, we read some of the most beautiful words in the Bible. As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, my God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. Where can I go and meet with God? These words from Psalm 42 portray an intense and insistent human yearning for God that cannot be found in money, cannot be found in pleasure, cannot be found in job, cannot even be found in family. Zacchaeus' thirst, in other words, is a little bit like the song we were just singing. Zacchaeus' thirst was not a material thirst, it was a spiritual thirst. And his story reminds me a little bit of the story in John 4 of the woman at the well, where Jesus encountered this Samaritan woman. And Jesus asked the woman on a hot day for some water from the well. But he said to her, everyone who drinks from this well will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. And the woman said to him, sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. So the story of the woman at the well, like the story of Zacchaeus, is all about a human thirst, a thirst for life, a thirst for meaning in life. And it's a thirst on both occasions that Jesus addresses head on. And there's one other similarity between the two stories. Because just because Zacchaeus was perched up on this tree trying to see Jesus, presumably the fact that he was perched up on the tree meant that he was banking on the fact that while he could see Jesus, Jesus would not, at least in Zacchaeus's hope, see him. He wouldn't spot him up the tree. I think many people in life feel that because of our sin and because of our imperfections, that God will turn away from us. But this story reminds us that that is not how God works. And so does the story of the woman at the well, this woman who was married five times and was now living with man number six. Zacchaeus, this chief tax collector, almost certainly corruptly uh, taking some of the tax receipts for himself, because that was the reputation the tax collectors had in those days. 
But God doesn't turn away from imperfect people. He turns towards them. He turns towards us, because every single one of us is imperfect. The name Zacchaeus, interestingly, means, perhaps ironically, clean, innocent, pure, righteous. So at least his parents uh, had good intentions for him uh, at the start of his life. But it had all gone terribly wrong, and he'd become the opposite of these things. And yet, God still turned towards him. This, then, is grace in action. And more than just turn towards him, when Jesus reached Zacchaeus, perched up on this tree, he actually called him by name, saying, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. Just think about that for a moment. Just put yourself in Zacchaeus' situation, stuck up on this tree, hoping to see what's going on without being seen. Jesus of Nazareth arrives into town. He not only sees you stuck up in this tree, but he knows your name, and he calls you by name. Imagine what your reaction would be. It's astonishing in lots of ways, and yet it shouldn't be, because God has been calling us by name since the very beginning of time. We read in the story of the fall in Genesis 3 that God went searching for Adam and Eve who were hiding from him. And he said to them directly, where are you? And in the New Testament, Jesus is described as a shepherd who calls his sheep by name and he leads them personally. John 10, 27, my sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. And that's still how God works today. He seeks us He knows everything about us. Astonishingly, he seeks us even though he knows everything about us. And he calls us to him in a very specific and personal way. And he does that because God has a very specific and personal plan for every single person in this room and every single person in this world. All he does is he invites us to turn from our emptiness and our weariness and turn towards fulfillment and purpose by following him. And what's important is how we respond to that call. Jesus said to Zacchaeus, come down immediately. That was his call to Zacchaeus. That's what he told Zacchaeus to do. Zacchaeus could have weighed it up. He could have thought, not worth the hassle could have thought, not yet, I'm happy enough up here. He could have thought, if I come down, you're going to judge me and condemn me. He didn't do any of those things. Zacchaeus, we're told, came down immediately. He came down at once and welcomed Jesus gladly. There was no hesitation. And I think there's an important message for all of us in that, And there's an encouragement in that for us as well. Because by obeying Jesus and by following what he was telling him to do, what happened in Zacchaeus' life was a total and complete transformation and all for the good. He turned from his old ways 
and he decided to give half his possessions to the poor, declaring that if he cheated anybody out of anything, he would pay them back four times the amount. So his attitude to possessions, which were so important in his old life, completely changed. And all of this didn't just have an impact on Zacchaeus himself. It had an impact on his wider family. We're told that his whole family was also transformed. Jesus said, today salvation has come to this house. Not to this person, to this house. Salvation has come to this house. Freedom, salvation. Freedom from our past. Freedom from our sins. Freedom from guilt. Freedom from burdensome weariness of life. Freedom from the emptiness of life. Freedom from a mediocre life. And salvation did not come to Zacchaeus in the form of money, and did not come to him in his family, and did not come to him in his possessions. It came to him in the person of Jesus Christ. And it wasn't something he could buy, it was a gift. And it was freely offered. He was invited to receive the gift. And it was the most precious gift that could ever be given. But it had no monetary value placed on it. All Zacchaeus had to do was accept the gift. If you're someone who has loads of money, but still feels there's something missing in your life. Maybe God is speaking to you today. If you're happily married with the proverbial 2.4 kids and a dog and a cat and a guinea pig and whatever else happens to live in your house and you still feel there's something missing, maybe God is speaking to you today. If you've climbed to the very top of your la- the ladder in your workplace and you survey everything around you and you've got a huge sense of power and responsibility, but there's still something missing in your life, maybe God is speaking to you today. And if you're in that position, then know that there are people here to pray for you. We have a prayer ministry team who would be delighted to pray for you at the end today. Or maybe you've been a follower of Jesus Christ for many, many years, but you just feel that you're drifting along a little bit at the moment, that there's something missing that there's a little bit of purposelessness creeping in, that you're not in that place of life where you're experiencing the purpose and fulfillment that Zacchaeus had when he began to follow God's plan for his life. I mentioned Psalm 42 earlier, and I just want to read it one final time. As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, my God, My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. Where can I go and meet with God? Friends, these words were not uttered by somebody in the position of Zacchaeus who did not know God. These words 
of emptiness, of purposelessness, of feeling something missing in, uh, in their life, were uttered by a believer in God. And this is someone who is struggling with doubts and fears, someone who is under spiritual depression, someone who is longing for a renewing sense of life, of God's vibrant presence in his life. And I say that to make the point that it's not just non-believers who sometimes end up in the situation where we ask ourselves, what's the point? What's the meaning of it all? There's something missing. It can happen to all of us. If you sense that that's you today, and you're longing for something more, and the joy and the energy of Zacchaeus' story is something you're crying out to know once more, then let me share with you Jesus' words. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. God knows your heart, and he knows my heart. He knows your purpose, and he knows my purpose. Perhaps he's calling you by name today to rediscover his purpose for you. Because like Zacchaeus, each and every single one of us is called to play a part in God's transformation of society. For Zacchaeus, transformation meant bringing benefits for the poor and justice for those who had been cheated. What is God's purpose for your life? What is God's purpose for my life? Is there something more that you feel that he's asking you to do today? Is there something more he wants you to do in your family life? Is there something more he wants you to do in your workplace? Is there something more he wants you to do in your community? Because all of us have a role to play. The lesson of Zacchaeus is this. If we turn from our ways, and if we follow God's way, we can be sure that then we will make a difference and we will make an impact. We can be one of those mad Christians, making a difference Christians, that Bishop Fanta spoke to us about so powerfully during Holy Week in this place. If, like Zacchaeus, your heart is open, Jesus offers you and offers me the way to a meaningful life, even today. For the message of Zacchaeus is as relevant today as it was 2,000 years ago in the streets of Jericho. Whatever our past and whatever our limitations, the Son of Man has come to seek and to save the lost. Let us pray.